0: What's up world? Welcome to another episode of Just Grow It, the podcast. I'm your host, Big City Gardener. And today we have another Houstonian here, and we're going to show you another highlight, another hidden gem here in Houston. Today I'm talking to Farmer Chaz. He's from Sweetwater Farms on the north side of Houston, Texas, and he's also the owner of Soul Fit Grill, a seasoning company. So we're going to sit down and have a conversation about his farm, if it's what he thought it was, and even touch on his company, SoulFit Grill. Let's get to it. So today I'm joined by Farmer Chaz from Houston, Texas, man. How you doing today?
1: Doing good. Just enjoying the Houston weather today.
0: Yeah, man. It started off cold this morning, but it's turned into a beautiful day right now.
1: Yeah, the sun came out, so it's a little chilly, but um, I'm glad the sun came out so I can get outside today.
0: Yeah, man. I feel the same way. So go ahead, introduce yourself, man. Let everybody know who you are.
1: So I'm Chaz Daughtry. I'm the owner and founder of Seawater Farms ACX. We're an urban farm in Houston, Texas that sits on six acres of land. And we teach kids in the inner city about agriculture and entrepreneurship and nutrition as well. I'm also the founder of Sulfid Grill, our low sodium and spice company, and also sauces as well too.
0: Yeah, man, doing a bunch of things.
1: Definitely. I'm trying to just kind of be creative, but also you know give people what they need and you know just trying to get people to eat healthy and my motto is basically create a healthy generation so that's exactly what i'm trying to do
0: you know what let's just start right there so you say that on your farm you help teach kids about agriculture and entrepreneurship that's right that's correct okay so how do you go about teaching them about entrepreneurship while they're out there on the farm
1: So what we do, we have a program. Due to COVID right now, we haven't really had too many kids out there. We work with about four right now. But before COVID, we have programs where the kids come out there weekly. They're also working on the farm. They're learning about agriculture. They're learning how to grow things. It's a process. We start them off. We kind of find a few that actually really want to get into the agriculture business or actually just learn or maybe just want to not be stuck at home sometime and so we get them to come out to the farm and they kind of see if this is something they want to do they learn how to plant things they learn about the science of it and then once things are starting to grow and we take them to our entrepreneurship program where we actually let them sell to local restaurants and stuff in the Houston community as well as we set up a farmer's market for them a couple of times a year. And we also let the kids actually run our farm stands around the Houston area as well too. And so that's where they get the entrepreneurship part.
0: Okay. So any one of these farmer's markets that people go to in the city and they see Sweetwater Farms, they're liable to see one of the kids that you have working on your farm, also working in the farm stand.
1: Definitely. And pretty much everything we have is grown by the kids that work with us as well too so they're not just supporting me and my form passion they're supporting the kids that they're giving them an outlet something to do especially with COVID we had only four kids working with us this summer where this kind of summer splash spring fall and you know so it was just an outlet for them to get out there and do things and so not be stuck in the house and so we tried to be safe you know have them spread out and come at different times we had two brothers that work together a lot but most everything that we grow is pretty much grown by kids and Ran by me, but grown by the kids.
0: That's a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful thing. What made you want to start working with kids on your farm?
1: That is something that is kind of been in our family. So, my mom and my sister, we started a nonprofit maybe around 15 years ago. It was called the Texas Women Empowerment Foundation, now known as TWF. And she started that for single mothers. She raised me and my sister as a single parent, and she would give back to the parents. And so into the mothers that work with our organization. And so me and my sister basically took our passions. And my sister was in the fashion and, and helping the young girls and succeed. And I was also big into agriculture. So I took what I love and decided to create a platform for the kids to come out there and actually um, learn about agriculture as well, too. So that started way before, you know, maybe 15 years ago, my mom's vision. And we've just been able to kind of carry the tradition down and teach kids about things that we love to do. And so it's, you know, everybody has a passion that there's something they're passionate about. And we was able to find what our passion is and they find kids who were interested or maybe didn't even know about it. And now they're interested in doing things in the future agriculture as well, too.
0: So you're saying that exposure to agriculture can sometimes spark the interest of young kids in agriculture?
1: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these kids that we have now, they didn't even know how things were grown. They have never seen things planted. You know, they love, you know, McDonald's and stuff like that. (laughs) And so it's just Seeing how it grows, you know, they're more careful. You know, a lot of, it was not easy when you're bringing in a new group of kids. That's why we don't bring in so many. Sometimes just because, you know, with the kids we have now, it took a process to get them where they can just come out and water and weed and know how to do things. So I happen to be, you know, always taught things because new groups of kids, they think the plants are weeds. They see them growing. I was like, okay, you guys pick the weeds out. And they'll be picking up all the plants that we just (laughs) spent weeks nurturing to get growing. And so it's just a passion of mine, you know, the love to, uh, to teach the kids growing up, I always had a passion for this, but it was nobody really around to teach me. And so I had a grandfather who loved horses, which I loved horses and being outside, but the agriculture thing of just growing things wasn't his passion. And so I was loving to do things like this, but I didn't really have anybody. So to find kids that are interested and maybe not interested, but maybe see that they can go into this field because I believe the agriculture space is one of the largest things that's also forgot about. And I think it's so many ways, so many revenues into it that kids can go into for engineering, science, technology, you You know it's the wave is really just begun because technology is taking over everything, and farming is one of those things that's definitely going to be impacted as well by technology.
0: I agree. I guess my eyes got kind of got open to the possibility or the fact that there are so many different jobs that are associated with agriculture or gardening. I guess at first I thought there was only you know you open a farm or maybe you grow microgreens or something, but I'm starting to see there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of things just associated with gardening in general.
1: Definitely. Back in 2018, I think it was 2018, no, 2019, I went to Forbes AgTech and I was really just, I was blown away by the. uh, just, I didn't know that it was, you know, I I knew about farming stuff. I have studied agriculture in college at Texas A&M, but I didn't know how far I had come now, you know, to see the robots that they have, see the tractors that drive by themselves, see the soil and stuff that you know that they're making up there or then fertilizers it was just like man this is so much that, that people can do right. and you know people just think about you don't have to really have your hands in the dirt that's the fun part for me but i tell the kids hey you know you kind of get a little bit of your hands in the dirt but you just also you can go and you know do the technical side you can also be a science you can create a new wave of plants that's gonna uh or veggies that's can survive, you know, the heat and summer, you know, things that usually die in the summertime, you can, you know, grow and make something that can last a little bit longer. So, you know, the options out there for me and teaching kids, you know, we're just. Episode, We're not just teaching science all day, but I think just getting them involved and learning that this is something they can do. And hopefully when they get to college, they can, you know, take it a little bit step further and, you know, find different revenues, uh, avenues and stuff as well.
0: Yeah, man, I think that's key. And I think that's dope how you are exposing the kids to agriculture. So and I just want to salute you for that. Thank you. All right. So let's get back to how you kind of started gardening or I know you kind of just touched on it, but did anybody introduce you to gardening?
1: I think it was, I would say my grandfather, he just grew a few greens. And my grandmother, she always, I guess, had a little garden in her backyard or front yard, really. And I would see that, and I always loved cutting the grass. I was always kind of like something I was interested in doing, but didn't really have the time. And then when I went to school at NEM to kind of study agriculture, I ended up kind of just feeling like, okay, maybe this is not going to be for me. So I ended up switching over economics. But I was kind of was always interested. But it wasn't really until I actually was going to law school in 2015 and studying for my LSAT that I actually started really just fully pursuing gardening. And I was really stressed out trying to get the score. To get into a good law school, and I needed something it just kind of clear my mind. So while I was studying for the LSAT, study for maybe an hour or two, and then I'll go outside and I would tend to the veggies that I had in my backyard, which is like a few some things I had just bought from Home Depot. And it, like some tomato plants and a few of those. And then it just started, kept expanding. And it was like a kind of stress loop for me. So once I go study, I go back, kind of touch the plants, and water the plants a little bit, weed the plants out. And that's kind of how I really got into it. And that was around, I guess around 2013, when I really like fully started just doing it. And then when my mom came with that vision in 2015, let's take the land that's in our family and put some raised beds on it and teach kids. That's when we start really doing, you know, actually involving the kids into the aspect of growing things.
0: That's dope, man. I love how you just talked on or you just touched on how gardening, you were using it as a stress reliever during the times when you were studying for the LSAT. See, I think people sometimes forget that it's not just about the produce that you get when you garden. Right. It also it has a bunch of other benefits, right? Stress relief and I don't know, physical exercise, just a bunch of great things associated with gardening.
1: Definitely. I mean, I don't mind growing things I don't even eat. You know, I just love to see things grow. You know, so if somebody asks me and, and if the deal is great, I'll grow things that I don't eat just because, you know, I love to see things grow and I love people to get, you know, excited about the food that I grow and see that it's fresh. For me, it's a stress reliever. You know, even now in my office, our farm is right, like across the street from my office. So when I'm having a long day, I'll just kind of walk out, you know, like walk out the door and go and kind of water, pick a few weeds and then go back inside. And I was like, I guess I've carried that tradition for like years without even knowing that it was something I was doing. But it's just like kind of calming down. I think it's just me love being in nature and being outside. And if I could be, you know, anywhere, it'd be like on a couple acres of land and just, you know, being there all day would be my ideal place to be.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way, man. Like you just mentioned, if I'm doing something and I need a little break, I can just walk outside, whether it's my garden or any garden I'm at and just kind of appreciate nature and the beauty of things growing around me. Yeah,
1: so that's just what I do. It's just kind of like, you know, people say, well, you know, some people think it's work. It is work, but for me, it's just like a good stress reliever. And it can be stressful once you get into the farming side and start selling things. and You have demands to meet. But for me, I just try to keep it manageable for me.
0: Okay. So would you say that like stress relief is one of the main things you love about gardening? think
1: of stress relief, just the ability to create something from a small seed or a vine and see that blossom is something that's definitely edible and people are enjoying the freshness of it. And I think just seeing that is just, it's really exciting to me. And so the stress relief is great for me. I think both of those two are the biggest things that keep me motivated to keep wanting to expand and keep growing. Okay.
0: All right. So you talked about your first, one of the first gardens you had, right? When you were studying for your LSAT, can you take me back to that time? Do you remember what you were growing in your first garden and was your first garden successful?
1: So I do remember. I looked at the picture like the other day because it like popped up. And I was like, wow, that was like 2013. And I went to Home Depot. I'm not a craftsman. I went to Home Depot. I got some like some wood and kind of built this little box, dug the ground up. I was riding horses back then. I love horses. And I was coming from my grandfather's place and um, actually in Waller and I was riding down 2920 it's like a, a long road you go from basically from Waller to Houston it will take you down 2920 and it was a tiller on side of the road and I was I need that tiller and so I had my mom's old convertible and I put the tiller in the back of the convertible <laughs> and dropped it in there <laughs> I cut up a few of the seats and it was an old car and put it in the back of the car because I didn't have a truck then. Right. And put it in the back of the car and took it back home with me and I started tooling up the backyard. I didn't go super huge when I first started. You know, I did like almost like a normal size raised bed thing. It wasn't kind of really what I had bought wood for and made that. And I got some soil from Home Depot, got a few plants and started with those few pepper plants and and bell peppers and tomatoes and that's kind of how I started and then a, a few weeks later I started growing maybe like a month or two later I started growing mustard greens and they was popping up and then I started letting people taste these and they was like oh wow these are so fresh and that's just really what I, how I kind of started and that was like my first garden it was like a little box and then I started going expanding most of the backyard in the backyard and then I actually got into law school so then I kind of had to like leave it alone for you know about a year and a half and then came back and started the raised beds. That's forty raised beds now on our six acres of land. And then we have like a half acre of pots that we have growing things. Hey, do you still have the tiller? Man, the crazy thing, so our <laughs> farm is in in you know, North Houston. It's not the best part of Houston, but it's not the worst part either. Somebody recently, so last easter not 2020 easter but 2019 easter they somebody came in and actually stole a lot of and stole some of our supplies and you know it was like one of those things like man i wish they would have stole something else because like it was one of those old school machines like it would have lasted me forever and it was like i cannot crank it for like man for like months and it would just fire right up it didn't look pretty but man that thing was heavy and it did the job it was like you can't even buy those things right now like now, anything close to that would be like the new BCS tractors. Right. Because it was like, it would they don't make things like that anymore. It's just like, you know, you got to pay a lot. I think I may pay like $100 for it. I wish I could find a name. I think I have some pictures of it. But yeah, I wish I still had that tiller Because I was like, I was planning on using that for the rest of my life. Because it was like, actually going to last that long.
0: Man, I'm sorry to hear someone got in there and took it, man.
1: Yeah, man, that's the, the part of urban farming. You're, we're in the middle of the city. You know, we can't, you know, really leave things out like you know most farms when we put when we farm and do things. We kind of have to lock it up and put things up, even though that was locked up. We can't just like you know most farms it's like in a you know rural parts, say they, they farm and actually you know leave the tractor outside and you know leave everything outside. But we're like in the middle of the city, and so with the, being in the middle of the city, which is the great thing because it's not that many farms like in the middle of the city. But it's also you have city life and things go wrong sometimes in the city compared to the rural areas where you could just kind of like, you know, everybody leave the door unlocked and you can leave the car unlocked all the time too.
0: Right. So where is your farm located? Where is Sweetwater Farms?
1: So we're in North Houston. So I would tell people that you're in North Houston. You can, I guess, 10 minutes from the Heights area. And we're like, we're like the middle point in between 16 and the beltway of Houston in the beltway. Uh, If you're going down 45, so 45 in Houston. So if you go to 16, we're in the middle of that. If you go to Bellway 8, we're like right in the middle of that too. And so we're right there in the middle of like 15 minutes. One of the probably very few farms in the middle of Houston like this.
0: Now, before you started your farm, did you know, I guess not, I was going to ask, did you know you wanted to be a farmer?
1: You know, it was just something I was doing to kind of relieve stress. And I always thought I was going to continue to grow things, but I didn't think that I wanted to be considered as a farmer. You know, it wasn't cool to be a farmer, even though I always, back in the fourth grade, I told my mom I wanted to be a farmer. Man, back then I was a kid and she wouldn't let me say I wanted to be a farmer. She would let me, she made me tell my teacher that I wanted to be an agriculturalist. And so at the young age of four, my mom made me say I wanted to be an agriculturalist at the young age of four. I had no idea what that even really meant, but I knew it was something near farming at fourth grade. And so it's just crazy how life is now that I'm known as like the farmer guy. And back in fourth grade, I was telling people that I want to be an agriculturalist. And agriculture is like one of the biggest things that's booming right now. Yeah, man. So I, yes, I was saying that in the fourth grade, but I had no idea that I was going to be doing this now. You know, I thought I would be a lawyer. I thought I'd be doing other things, but nowhere near farming.
0: Okay. So how did you make, how did you and when did you make the transition from, I guess, gardening at your house to starting up Sweetwater Farms?
1: So uh, it was a slow transition. A lot of people think it happened overnight because they see Instagram and social media, but we're talking about going back since 2013, which is now is 20, about to be 2021. So almost seven to eight years now. Mm-hmm. And started with that small garden in the backyard. And for almost, I guess, a year, uh, almost a year of we doing that small garden in the backyard. And then in 2015, we did the forty raised beds on our land and that's when we kinda created the TWF Urban Garden, which it is still the TWF Urban Garden, but our the whole land, the six acres itself, is Seawater Farms HCX. So our urban garden sits on the Seawater Farms. And so that was in twenty fifteen that we actually created these urban gardens where we started teaching kids about agriculture and nutrition and entrepreneurship. And Seawater Farms the name came because of I guess people when they were thinking garden, they was kind of just thinking so small of us. And so I was like, if we do a name change and like name the whole land with the name being more appealing to people, and I was actually right when I changed the name from Urban Garden to Sweetwater Farms. It just boom because now people are like, oh, you have a farm, you know, not just some little garden. Yeah. And it just really started to build in. And I was like, like we're doing the same thing. Yeah, I tell people that when they come. <laughs> like. We're doing the same thing since we were doing it in 2015. Nothing's really changed. Now we have expanded on different parts of the land and stuff as well. But for the most part, everything's the same, the same method, same raised beds that was on there. But we have expanded to the land on the left side and the right side of the raised beds too, which is like maybe like a half acre of land on each side of it and we started expanding on that, but for the most part, we're doing the same thing. So that transition was a seven year transition, even becoming where we are now. And I feel like we still have so much to grow and grow because you know we need things to grow. We need supplies, stuff like that to actually become even bigger.
0: Right. So you're not actually farming on all six acres of the land right now. You're on about an acre or so.
1: Right. About an acre or so that we're farming on. And maybe I would say I think right now I'm gonna it's easy to manage right now. We're a small team, it's just kind of me and then overseeing the, the kids and stuff we work with and we get so many people want to volunteer, but right now I just wanna take it in phases and not overgrow and not overwork myself. Right. Because, you know, just like you can manage what we have right now, we can supply some restaurants. You know, our goal is really not to be And which I'll say our goal, but it's my goal because I'm the founder. It's really not to be the biggest farm like in Houston. It's just to supply community and give people nutrition and also teach people. And so I don't want to, you know, ever be so stressed out about farming that I don't enjoy it anymore. You know, we do have the six acres and we can do things with it. But for the most part, I want to keep it manageable, but also, you know, help my community as well. Because when you start doing, when you start having, you know, becoming the biggest farm, you're in the rush to get everything out. Right now, we're at the point where if we don't sell something, we can kind of give it to the community. And, you know, but if you get any bigger, then we're going to have to start doing things and then we're going to need more staff so it can get. Really grow really fast. And I don't want to grow so fast that we can't manage
0: it. Right, man. I think that mission statement you just mentioned earlier about how you're not trying to be the biggest farm. You're trying to have the biggest impact. I think that's beautiful, man. That's
1: the truth. That's the truth. We get so many offers. Some of the biggest restaurants have called us and franchises that are going local now called us to grow their stuff and I'm like wow I get so excited then I have to look back is that what you really want to do you know I have another company already and I was like I don't know if that's really what I want to do I love doing this and I want to get a little bit bigger but I don't think that the supply them millions I mean thousands of beets a year is going to make me you know even happier I think it's going to cause more stress because when things start growing and don't grow right which you know with farming and gardening things don't always grow the same way even at right. the same time true and so it then becomes stressful and they waiting on it and then we're losing accounts then you know it just becomes even more big crazy effect that i don't even think i want to you know start right now
0: what's up world? i hope you're enjoying the show if you are then you should head over to youtube and subscribe to the big city gardener youtube channel i'm gonna have videos to go along with a lot of these podcasts and besides that over there i give you a bunch of information to help you just grow it and even to help you just grow it better all right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, man, sometimes more headaches than it's worth.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's one of those things that I'm looking at right now. And we are going to grow, but I like supplying a couple restaurants and growing. I like to eat and also find the restaurants that like. we like to grow as well, too. And so maybe, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, that story would for me. But I don't think I ever want to be the biggest. I want to be able to supply my whole family, our office staff, and then parts of Houston to come and buy things from us and also learn about it as well
0: too. Okay. So you would say that, or would you say that your initial vision for the farm or where you're at now matches your initial vision for your farm?
1: I would say it's pretty close to it. We have some expanding to do, but my initial vision was just to teach the kids it wasn't really to sell. Okay. And it wasn't until, you know, I guess really around 2018, we started selling, which changed the whole kind of model of everything that we we're doing because we were really just teaching and giving away. And we were taking food home for ourselves and letting the kids take food home. And so it really wasn't until we did the whole name change that, you know, and I created a, an Instagram account. And that people started like, can we buy this? Can we come visit? And I was like, well, we really wasn't fed up to do that. We only grew small things. And so we had 40 raised beds, but we were growing like 30 different things. I'm going to just say that, you know, in each raised bed. And so it was kind of like we were growing like almost like testers just so the kids can kind of see how things are growing. Okay. Now we look at a different model of like, say we're these 40 raised beds. They grow sweet potatoes really well. And so the last two years, we expanded on what we can grow in those. So we'll grow 20 of those beds will be sweet potatoes this year. This year coming up in 2021, we'll probably do like 35 beds sweet potatoes because they grow really well. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have the machines to actually use it and till it up the ground. And so we can just pull them up by hand. And so compared to us back in, I guess, 2015, 2016, we were growing everything you could think of from spinach to kale to beets to lettuce purple lettuce, you know, red lettuce, all the different types of things. But it wasn't enough for people to actually take home and really say, I got a real meal of it we're focused on like, I guess you would call it crop focus and growing on a certain amount of things. So now all the beds right now are mustard greens and collard greens and, and kale and a little bit of cabbage. Okay. And that's enough where if you want mustard greens and collard greens, you can come find us, you know? And so it's kind of, we can maximize what we can do with the, what we have growing right now.
0: Okay. So y- your goal, I guess when you first set up, you, you weren't really planning or thinking about selling to the public. Like you said, you were just looking to supply yourself and the people who worked on the farm.
1: That is definitely what to go And the community basically wanted more and we changed that model and they wanted more. And I was like, it made sense to do more. And because even at that point, we, we didn't make it, we didn't grow enough to take enough home for my family to be able to like eat. It was just like enough to say, oh, we can have a few pieces of basil with our spaghetti tonight. Or we can have a few grains. And cause we just like, every bed was almost different. And so it was like, everything was different. So we didn't really have enough that really was like, wow, you could really take this home. And so now, when I when I can bring home greens, I can say I'm bringing home greens for the night. And this, you know, we don't have to buy this. You know, we have enough. You know, like you know. So and that, and that's where we're at right now. Even though we had a six acres, we just want to take it in that phase where we can do things on smaller scale and maximize the space that we have now.
0: All right. So you talk about the community that you're in. Is it is it uh considered a food desert where the uh, Sweetwater Farms is?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, uh, so North Houston. Pretty much, or across from the UPS, uh, it's pretty much nothing but kind of like a little factory scene over here by us. Uh, You have a few taco trucks and a gas station, maybe a food town, maybe two or three miles away. And they just built out maybe like another five to six miles away. Okay. But as far as this community, they have to really drive and find food, especially healthy. They know it's nothing really healthy over here. It's definitely sitting in the food desert. And I think that's why we're making an impact. And we we have partnered with schools over here uh, in the the past and kind of like let them know that they can grow things and that they have a backyard and stuff they can grow. So and so they kind of get out that whole food desert mindset and start seeing healthier things.
0: Yeah, man. Now, you said there's not a lot of healthy options up there, but I have a question in that same area. Is there excess land or even vacant land, vacant lots up there?
1: I would say probably no.
0: Probably no. Uh, okay. From
1: my looking, uh, yeah, just from from where we at. Uh, this land that we have right now was purchased by my mom actually maybe 20 years ago. Uh, and so uh, if, if you're in the north side of Houston, you know the heights and stuff is booming. And I just ride around because I grew up in Acres Home area, which is not the best area, but it was known for having one acre of land per like per family that's why it was called Acres, Acres Homes and everybody pretty much had a horse that grew things and now new development townhome central is all over you know and I'm just saying there's every townhome company you can think of is building in the North Houston right now and so that land that used to be kind of vacant land vacant lots where you know sometimes I think the city would let you manage that lot for a dollar or something like that a year
0: Right.
1: it's very hard to find those lots now you know maybe you can find somebody who don't want to sell out right now you can grow things but um, it's as far as North Houston and really probably all Houston now, I mean, a lot of places it's really hard to find the type of land that you really need. Now, I do think you can find some some small lots maybe and, you know, but as as far as buying it and actually really being able to afford it i don't know if that's really you know feasible right now just because the lot there used to be like you know maybe thirty thousand dollars have now tripled or you know even you know two times more you know so it's kind of like you know it's just really hard to become a farmer in the middle of the city now
0: yeah man i agree I, I definitely understand so what kind of impact or what impact do you see sweetwater farms having on the whole food desert issue I
1: I think we're definitely uh, teaching. I think our impact is to be a teachable farm and teach kids that they don't have to wait and they don't have to go find the grocery store. If it's too far, they can grow things in their backyard. I don't think we'll be able to supply every kid or every food in in our food desert, but I think we can teach every kid in our food desert because we do host events and stuff like that where the community can come out for free. We don't charge. We also pay food trucks. We pay DJs to come out. We host our quarterly event, Beats and Beats. And so I don't think we can supply all of them with food, but I definitely think we can teach them how to grow their own food. So I think that's the impact that we're doing with our urban garden, the TWF urban garden, and seawater Farms, ACX is definitely going to be a, a teacher that's just to last them
0: a lot of years. Yeah, I think the teaching aspect is probably the most important aspect. I think you can find land if you look in the right places, you can find land, but you have to kind of expose people to the idea of agriculture and teach people how to garden and then maybe they can take that information, go somewhere else and it just grows and snowballs and gets bigger until some change happens. Definitely. So tell me a little bit more about this, the event that you put on called Beats and Beats.
1: So Beats and Beats, Beats and Beats is the name that we actually trademark. And we created that. We were looking for a cool, catchy name to kind of create our own urban garden festival. It seemed like it's just taken off in the last couple of years. We started Beats and Beats in 2018, I believe. And we were just kind of thinking a name for we can do our festival where we can give away the veggies and stuff that we actually grew. And the name, I had some, you know, it was people come out with trap kitchens and everything else. And I was like, I want to appeal to an urban audience. You know, I want everybody to come out. You know, a lot of times people think gardening is just for like old grannies and stuff. The way they used to think that, like, before two years ago when Instagram started taking off, you know, people thought gardening was for old ladies. And so well, now on social media, you kind of see who's gardening. You see this guy who, like me, you know, I don't wear normal formal clothes sometimes. Some days I wear boots. Some days I may wear a suit. Some days my wear skinny jeans, you know, but you know, so but now you can see that and I wanted to appeal to everybody. And so we came up with names and the name Beats and Beats just came in because, you know, beats growing beats and um also also the music. And so we tie that in with the music, we bring in, you know, cool DJs known around, you know, they not some of them not from Houston. Some of them are real known DJs and they play everything you can think of from the old school music to the the newest trap and the R&B music as well, too. And we have some of everything from your grandmas to your uncles and kids, uh, families and stuff like that. And it's just a big urban garden festival that, um, that's free for anybody to come out. And it's thrown by our organization, TWF. And basically, it's, if you're a part of our organization, you get free meal that comes there too. But everybody gets to come out there and they get to take a free gardening class that's scheduled. And they also, you know, you have to walk around just kind of have a good time. And then we have local vendors to, you know, sell, you know, products and stuff that were and, you know just from uh, hair products to oils and, you know, T-shirts and just anything you could think of local that, you know, that's growing or, you know, some of them may not be local as well. And companies, food companies come out as well, too, and set up tents. And we had a photo booth as well. We did one last year around this time. It may have been right this weekend coming up. We did it with a Santa. We had a Santa Claus and it was our harvest fest,
0: Beats and Beats. Man, so once all this nonsense in the world is over, it's coming back.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, we were looking forward to doing the one last April. I mean, we were like, we had a cool flyer that we never released. We finally got the flyer guy to kind of go with our vision that we had been trying to, and the flyer was looking cool. I mean, it was going to appeal to everybody else. We were bringing in some, trying to bring in this big artist. I won't say the name, but maybe we'll get, uh, get them to come out this year in 2021. Well, it may not be 2021, but hopefully. But it was just going to be a cool event for people to come out and just have a good time and just say they learned about gardening or they just had a good time eating some good food. I know 2019, we were actually, so 2019, we were named Food Event of the Week in Houston. And so we had some of the coolest food trucks. And even 2020, we had already planned some of the coolest food trucks to come out too as well. And it just kind of like got pushed back because of COVID-19.
0: Yeah, I remember when you were in the paper, when the event was in the paper, it caught my eye. I thought that was super dope. Oh, that was super dope. So once all this nonsense is over, everybody in Houston or in surrounding areas look forward to coming out to the Beats and Beats Festival.
1: Definitely. I mean, we hope it to be an event that people want to travel and maybe even host gardening seminars or, you know, just kind of, you know, like it could become a cool music festival with, with gardening on the side of it or something. The is the limit with this one, and we just started it off, and we have the land right now to be able to, to hold the people and supply people, and we partnered with um the UPS Across the Street and, you know, city and stuff as well. And so it's going to be a cool event once it comes back. And I'm really excited because with the pandemic going on, so many people became plant dads and plant moms. And so I think they're going to be like running to the door to get to this event. Yeah, I think so. And so I think if we put it on right now and say in April, I think it would be a good event too, but we just want to make sure everybody's safe. And so, I don't know, things look different around February. I may be able to convince the team, let's do it and let's see what we can do. Or maybe we can do a smaller one, but we needed to park cars on the UPS lot And it was kind of not enough for us on our lot. And so people were kind of busted. So it was now become a thing. We have to find out how to get the cars, the people to park and not be so close to people.
0: And then, like you mentioned, I noticed influx in people interested in learning about gardening or just getting into gardening during this whole lockdown. So I I definitely think that's going to have a positive impact on the attendance of the Beats and Beats Festival. Definitely. Yeah, man. All right. So. Let's talk about Soul Fit Grill because I don't know people know. I live in Houston and I go to Whole Foods sometimes and I see your face in the aisle with all the seasonings, man. So, so tell me a little bit about Soul Fit Grill.
1: So, Soul Fit Grill was actually started, uh, 2014 and I started that because of her, my grandmother with diabetes. She's been having diabetes all her life. I was raised by a single parent and when my mom went to work, she dropped me off at my grandmother's house and every morning I saw my grandmother stick herself with a needle to test her sugar and also with insulin and stuff as well and I just like, I didn't want to be like that and when I came home from college did a study abroad and I started eating different and because I did a study abroad in China, I realized like what we're eating different in America compared to where they were eating in China, and everything just tastes so fresh, and that kind of trickled down on the gardening thing as well, too, and I was realizing, how can I bring that freshness from the garden into a bottle? And to people, and I decided to kind of bottle it up and dry it out and create a spice company with that. And so that all kind of happened in around 2014 when I started drying those herbs out and basically for my grandmother to have that food because I couldn't find anything on the shelves for her that wasn't high in sodium. Now there are, you know, a lot of spice companies out there, but, and it was always spice companies out there before I started in 2014, but they were not healthy. They were all like high in sodium, high in MSC, you know, it wasn't all natural. And I was wanted to create, you know, something that was, For us and for people that be able to eat healthy but still have that flavor. If it was out there, I wouldn't have graded, but I I looked on the sales and you had maybe two or three companies and I didn't feel like they catered to my taste buds and what my family was used to eating. Right. And so we, um, started putting those inside of a bottle and I started hitting the, the basic street started selling like you know CD guy flipping it to going to concerts festivals and you know I was just everywhere you know all over Houston I got to the point where I burned myself out in like the 2018 because I was just like hitting the road like I was on tour. I was working a real job and also like selling spices online and selling at festivals, music festivals and concerts, you know, everything you can think of. I was there. And um, so and that's kind of how it started. And today, you know, we we have eight different spices. We have our own Kamado grill line as well, too. Also, we just released this week, we released our new hot sauce line, too. That's our newest lineup.
0: So Soul Fit Grill wasn't even a goal or a vision of yours when you were younger. This is just something you kind of stumbled upon.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't go to school to be in food. You know, I did take some food classes because I was an agriculture coach major, but, but I didn't. It wasn't something I was really trying to do. It was just something I was always doing in college. I was a grill guy, you know, I was grilling and I, you know, you mix, mix some lemon pepper, mix some things up and put it on the grill and season and everybody liked it, but it was nothing I was like planning on doing. And when she told me her doctor was like, basically she's about to like lose her leg and she didn't change her habits. I was like, I can go find you something. And I won't name the company, but they was like, Oh, it tastes like all this seasoning tastes like Italian season. And I was like, uh, let me go find something. And I couldn't find it. And I decided to create it and been going strong ever since. And we continue to kind of be innovative and create new things and, just giving people what they what they actually need. You know, we hear so many stories. I hear people just emailing me and calling me or face or message me on Facebook just saying how they're so thankful that I created this seasoning because they couldn't eat before. Their son had diabetes and he you know, he loved to eat, you know, tacos and now he can eat tacos again because what we're doing is basically tricking your tongue and make you think you have that salt and that sugar, but you have different herbs that have salty or, or sugary flavors, but it's not inside them.
0: That's dope, man. That's that's a, one to do. Dope story connected to it with your grandma making spices for her. And then two, just to see that. You kind of and, and I don't want to say stumbled on it in a negative way, but you didn't set out to intentionally build a spice company. And the fact that you're running a big spice company here in Houston is that's dope. man.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful, man. You know, it just like it just fell right into place. But I mean, it's been a lot of work learning still. I'm still growing. We're still trying to expand, you know, and we get a lot of no's. We get a lot of yes's. I, I told people back in 2014, I started with the fitness industry when after my grandmother had diabetes. And supplying those people, I told the fitness guys, I said, hey, you know, people going to want the spices because they're all trying to meal prep and eat healthy. And so I told those guys that, hey, and I got a lot of no's from those nutrition stores. And next thing you know, we're one of like the first spice companies to be sold inside nutrition stores because they realized that people actually wanted it. Right. And it was a cool thing on Instagram that people actually were like, oh, man, we can get this in the store now. And so as far as creating that wave, honestly, you know, I wouldn't probably get the credit, but I think I was one of the first I believe I was the first spice company inside of a nutrition store because they wasn't selling, they were selling proteins. They were selling shakes. They wasn't selling meal preps back then. They were just selling, you know, you know, just supplements, creatine and stuff like that. Right. But I knew those same guys who competed needed something too. And I was like, Hey, this is going to be something they're gonna they want. Six years later with that part, you know, we're in there and we're adding more products and they're still happy.
0: So how many different stores are you in right now?
1: Right now, we're like maybe like 20-some stores spread out through Houston, but we still do mostly online. We still ship all over. We ship daily. I mean, orders come in daily from all over the world, sometimes out the country as well. A lot of Army boxes and stuff as well, too. I think at APO boxes, we ship to a lot of those places. I don't know exactly where they go, but we get a lot of those as well, too. But like 20-some stores, 12 Whole Foods in Houston. The other stores like spread out through different states and cities. And then we do a lot of online, too. And our goal is to expand Whole Foods and also ATV that we're in as well, too. Nice,
0: man. Well, congratulations on the 20 stores and the continued success of Soul Fit Grill, man. Thank you. So I have another question. People who are farmers, maybe even people who, I don't know, are selling their things at farmers markets or things like that. Do you think that selling spices on a small scale, like a farmers market scale, is something that a lot of farmers or even hobby gardeners should get into?
1: I would say if that's what you're passionate about, you can get into it. It's not as easy as it looks sometimes. Even selling at a farmer's market, you know, it looks like just a tent that you just put up there, you got a few veggies, but it's so much preparation that goes into preparing for that one farmer's market. You know, it's like, you know, I just did one every second and fourth Sunday and I get people asking me all the time, can I come to that farmer's market and set up? And it's just like, it's so much work into doing it that it just looks like a tent, but it's not. And the thing about it, especially with fresh herbs and stuff like that, if you pick those things and they don't sell well, what can you do besides you can try to give those away? But for spices, they're dried out, so they can last a little bit longer. But you need certain insurance and stuff like that as well to be to sell. Well, on the larger scales, you need insurance and stuff to sell certain things. But if you're passionate about it, I will say you know do whatever you do. You know some people sell spices, some people sell salad mix, they sell sauces, and I choose and pick and choose which markets I'm going to do just because of time, but. I also feel like it's good for me to do some of the biggest ones in Houston just because I can get my name out there. I want people to know that where I'm from and I'm still here to support so we hope to be one of the largest spice companies in Houston and the United States. I want people to know that I'm here and I think it's good for people to see the owner of the company be out there and also networking and talking to people and hearing the story. Sometimes you can have, you know, the best product, but, you know, people want to know why did you get into this business? Why did you start? And so, you know, I think that I'm not just like a CEO that I, they're just running, it. You know, I'm there when they in the rain, like last week I was in the rain and cold and I'm out there selling and people just love to see that, you know, there's supporting somebody who has a good motto and who's doing good in the community.
0: Yeah, man, that's dope, man. You really definitely are doing good in the community. So I just got a couple more questions, man. What's next for Sweetwater Farms HTX? For
1: us next is to get our tractor. We're pretty close to getting a tractor pretty soon, so we can expand on our land. And so once we expand, get the tractor, we're better to do things and I have to rent machines and stuff. And so with that, it's going to allow us to be able to grow more and plan out what we're going to do for the springtime i'm really excited about this spring because we're going to expand more than we did last year we're going to do our focus in the summer slash spring is like okra but i think we're going to expand and maybe do like some more tomatoes or something that people can kind of come and have fun picking and just not kind of let us in a package and sell it for a give to them
0: what's up bro i hope you're enjoying the show if you are then you should head over to youtube and subscribe to the big city gardener youtube channel going to have videos to go along with a lot of these podcasts and besides that over there i give you a bunch of information to help you just grow it and even to help you just grow it better all right let's get back to the show okay i like this. that sounds cool man make it more interactive with everyone
1: right and have like an event where people can come you know enjoy coming and so we can set up some days where people can come on, you know, maybe Monday, Wednesday and a Saturday and they can come and kind of like enjoy coming out here. And we can set up a few hours of people to come. I think the hardest thing is just kind of everybody has different schedules. And so when the people available to come? Some people are Saturday people. Some people can come during the week because of the pandemic, they're not really working like the nine to five, the normal. Right. And so just trying to find maybe a day or maybe one day a week something like that where people can come and, you know, just enjoy picking things and buying from us and also meeting us as well too. So we can create our own, maybe mini farmers market on our land.
0: Yeah. I think that's, again, that's dope making people, having people interact with their food. Right. I know a lot of people just go buy the food from the store and they don't even know where the tomato comes from or how it grows. So actually. Seeing your food growing, it helps you respect what it takes to produce that food.
1: I think that's definitely true. So many times when people come pick up from our online delivery, they'll see, they'll basically come see how the things that they just bought are growing. And they had no idea that it was growing like that or they can see that, hey, they can look and see that we're not spraying everything down, that everything looks just as fresh. So it's like they get excited and then that makes them want to come back. And so it's just finding that way for they can come back and we can kind of make it something consistent, you know, and have that maybe just, maybe it's once a month starting off. We do once a month when people come out, but we're going to find that day where people come out and we're not overwhelmed this a step. And so they can kind of enjoy coming out to the farm and we can have more people out here.
0: That's dope, man. I see with the event, like Beats and Beats and with Soul Fit Grill and, and even with these sort of pick your own events that you're putting on and putting together man i I salute and see everything you're doing on the whole agricultural side man thank you i think when i get online and i look at people involved in agriculture gardening farming whatever you're one of the people that makes this whole agriculture thing dope so again thank you for doing that helping inspire the next generation of people
1: Thank you. I hope I'm inspiring somebody, you know, I'm just kind of doing what I love and trying to bring people along with it. And I hope that, you know, people see me as something just an inspiration to kind of, you know, do what they love to do, even if it's not gardening or whatever, find that space, you know, this wasn't the cool thing now five years ago. And so, but if you continue to do what you're happy doing, I mean, like people like yourself inspire me, you know, see how many, you know, subscribers and followers you have. And Yeah. <laughs> how many people ask for questions and you have all the advice. So, you know, five years ago, man, you may have been the weird guy, you know, or, you know, maybe 10 years ago.
0: <laughs>
1: and so now, oh man, you cool, you know, now you may have to say, I have a wife now, you know, women come, you know, like the cool gardener, you know, people are trying to garden gardener now, a farmer is like, that used to not be the cool thing. And so I was like, man, you know, it's like, it's not the attention, but it's like, This is finally getting attention, but it wasn't something that you were doing for attention. But people are finally starting to see that this is something that, you know, it's cool whatever you're doing. If you like what you do, it's cool.
0: Yeah, man, I definitely know what you mean. Ten years ago, everybody thought I was weird because or even the people who I told, which wasn't very many, they thought it was weird that I gardened. And I had a big garden in the back of my house. So now they ask me questions about gardening.
1: You build one in the backyard. That's what I get all the time. Can I build them a backyard garden? <laughs> can I grow this? Especially now with COVID. I mean, I was going to Home Depot building so many backyard gardens that it was just crazy just because everybody wants to start but i told people you know once the pandemic is, stuff is over you know you got to keep that garden up because i mean this is something you spend a lot of money into it's not the cheapest thing to start right you know if you're trying to do a little you know dirty it's not cheap you know and, and stuff but i hope that everybody who started at their garden you know these last couple of months are able to keep it up because it is something that I think it helps with the anxiety, and the stress and I think it's something that even if they're having work problems and stuff like that, they can come out and or go in their backyard or plant use the plants and stuff like that and you know release some stress.
0: True, true. Like you just said, I hope everybody keeps that same energy when this is over. Keep that same energy and love right. and passion for gardening when this is done.
1: Right. Even myself, when I go on vacation, I have to plan around my vacation like this is my own kids. Because it's like, okay, am I growing things It's gonna need my attention if i go for a whole week or you know it's like so it's like if i'm picking okra growing okra in the summertime how many days can i be gone where the okra is not too big to be or edible right and so those are things you think about when you're growing things it's like okay yeah i can't travel for two weeks in the summertime because it's like one of my busiest parts of the year but it's and it's also things that like if okra is something that you wait four or five days and it's too big but you still got to pick it because it'll stop the growth of the other okras from coming and compared to something like right now, I can let the mustard greens get as big as they want and they can just continue to get bigger. Right, right. You know, and so it's just find that out and making sure that you're treating these like basically like their kids and make sure they're
0: growing at the right time and you have the time to do it and take care of them. Preach, man. All right. So let everybody know how they can get in touch with you.
1: So they can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Sweetwater Farms HTX. That's also on our, we have a website that you can click the link and our bio buy you on Instagram and it's called Sweetwater Farms HTX. They're looking for some healthy spices and sauces. They can find us at SoulFit Grill and at SoulFitGrill.com too. So find us on Sweetwater Farms. You can find both of those together on our social media pages.
0: Cool, man. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're a farmer and running Soul Grill, busy man. So thanks for giving me some of your time today.
1: And thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast. And I'm hoping that, you know, people can be inspired by listening to I mean, the stories like me and other people talking about their passion of agriculture and gardening and, and just the wave of how it's maturing and growing right now. So I'm excited for you. And I'm excited to see how this is going to take off.
0: That's dope, man. That's what this show is about. I'm just trying to get everybody inspired and motivated to get outside and just grow it. Right. I think that people a lot of people are nervous when it comes to gardening, so through these conversations with people like yourself and other people, we can just make gardening more relatable and i guess less intimidating to people.
1: It's definitely a need because i pre pandemic I was looking for things, and I couldn't really find them and so It was really hard for me to find podcasts. When I'm riding around making some deliveries, I like to listen to things that kind of spark my interest. And I was looking for urban farm podcasts, and some of them were just too technical on past me. So it's good to have some things that's like you know that the normal person can relate to. And so I'm really excited for this. I think people are gonna be able to hear the stories that you have and talk to people and listen to that and be like they can relate and understand. Because sometimes things can be overwhelming, or some of the other podcasts can be you know just too in depth. They're not at that level yet. And at certain points, I wasn't. At that level where I can understand what they were talking about yields and stuff but I really want to know what kind of soil and stuff works best to grow and so I'm really excited about yours
0: I appreciate that thank you again for taking time out your day
1: alright well thank you for having me
0: alright man before I let you go I need you to do more than one thing first I need you to like comment subscribe to the podcast second I need you to tell a friend or two about the show if you enjoyed it and if you have anybody you think I need to talk to I should interview send the name over put it in the comments or send me an email i grow at big city gardener and check me out man on instagram and on all social media platforms big city gardener we out oh almost forgot just grow it